Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So a little bit late, but happy new year, if I haven't said it to you individually or on social media. Now in terms of today's episode, I did kind of release a teaser, if you like, of a social media post or graphic. And I just want to talk about some of the common, very common pitfalls people fall into when they you know, start a new year's resolution, when they decide to get fit, you know, if they're a beginner, if they never worked with a coach, if they don't have much of an education around fitness and fat loss, they pretty much fall for at least one of these six areas, I believe. Uh, and the areas, I'll quickly summarise them. So the first one is an obsession over how many calories you burned. The second one is demonising fats or carbs or any specific food group. The third one is glorifying high intensity and training seven days a week and all that carry on. Uh, fourth one is asking someone's opinion, or in this case mine, asking my opinion on fad diets, whether it's keto, clean eating, all that kind of stuff, a Cambridge diet, shake diet, juice plus, or uh, whatever it is. Often you're asking that for a reason and I'll, I'll get onto that. Uh, the fifth one is running through pain and niggles, or even training through pain and niggles, to be honest. And the last one is using scale weight as your only gauge of progress. So getting into the first one then, let's get straight to it. You know, calories burned is not the only thing you should be thinking about. Even if your main concern is fat loss, weight loss, toning up, leaning out, effectively all the same thing, it's not a race to burn ha- like the maximum amount of calories. If it was, my advice would be just to run, to do burpees, to do high knees, you know, drop squats, running on the spot, all that kind of stuff, mountain climbers, and you'll often just make yourself tired. So yes, calories are important, but for a start, if you're looking to lose weight and drop body fat, your main focus should be on your diet to create that calorie deficit, minimize some of the junk, you know, increase your step count to help, you know, help your deficit basically. So effectively all the same thing, whether you're burning energy to create a deficit, or eating less to create a deficit. But we shouldn't just be reliant on you know cardio and circuits and exhaustion. To me, it's a much smarter approach and a much more adult approach to just control our intake. So to me, that's the lowest hanging fruit. You know, watching how much food you eat versus beasting yourself every day, doing hip, hip workouts in your living room or your garage. So it's not... A, you know, I don't care necessarily how many calories you burn in a session, especially if that session is a PT session, whether it's on Zoom, in person, or you know, the powerhouse sessions we do for small group PT on Zoom at the minute. You know, the goal isn't to burn as many calories. So never look at your session and say something along the lines of, oh, I only burned 200 calories, I only burned 300 calories. And then don't get super excited on the other side of that coin when you burn a thousand on a run. Because you've got, to, you've got to have a more intelligent approach. So when you're talking about toning up, leaning out or dropping fat, you're also trying to preserve muscle. You're also trying to gain or maintain strength. You're not just trying to shrink. You want to perform. You want to you know, stimulate muscle tissue. You want to remain strong. So if you get hyper-focused on burning calories, in the short term, you can actually get there faster in terms of losing weight. I won't lie to you. But often the results are underwhelming. Often you lose 
the shape, as in your arms get skinny, your legs get skinny, your face gets skinny, and you think it's brilliant because the scales come down. But then you look at your midriff and it's just not the end result that you want. Or you look at your overall physique in the mirror and it's not what you want. And it's because you neglected strength training or you neglected stimulating muscle tissue and you went down this rabbit hole of calories, calories, calories. And, you know, by all means, do cardio two or three times a week on top. Do a couple of circuits on top. But our, our focus and attention should be on restricting our intake our day-to-day steps, our movement, our neat, non-exercise activity, and then training with structure over random exercise. And then lastly, it should be cardio. Uh, Next one then, moving on quickly, demonizing fats or carbs. Uh, Fats get a bad reputation because they're called fats, so I can understand why. Fats are calorie dense, so they contain more energy uh, per gram compared to uh, carbs and proteins. So obviously, if we cut fats down, we'll probably do better. And a lot of people do eat too many fats or too much fat. But generally, when people go on a health kick, especially in January, they go down this rabbit hole again, if I can use that word, where it's everything's low fat. And it's a lot of chicken breasts without the skin, turkey breast, uh, white fish like cod, you know, tuna, stuff like that, protein shakes. And they minimise a lot of the favourite foods. And what they do by accident is actually go super low fat. And that could be depending on the person. I don't have the I don't have the nutritional standard, if you like, of going low fat, but I like to think of it as less than 50 grams. And and that's when for me hunger starts really ramping up. Now protein is the biggest regulator of appetite. So that will stop cravings in a lot of cases. And without necessarily having to count, you will often eat less food or less calories when you're up for a high protein diet. But second is fats. So fats are also big regulators of appetite and the combination of protein and fat can be really powerful. So if you think of a piece of steak or salmon or mackerel, often that's quite filling. But generally, don't demonize fat. Fat didn't make you fat. Excess calories did over a long period of time. Fat won't stop you losing fat. It's you being in a, in a maintenance or surplus that's stopping you losing fat. So fat may prevent you being in a deficit, but you mustn't go on a crusade. And the same goes for carbohydrates. So your bread, pasta, you know, rice, couscous, potatoes, that kind of thing. I'm not talking about fruit necessarily, but you know, minimizing carbs can really help with fat loss, but you shouldn't go on a crusade and remove them from your diet because you'll crave them. Uh, fats are completely essential. We need them from all sorts of things to do with your cells and hormone regulation and appetite and hair and bones and joints. Carbs, however, are preferred. So I, I never like to suggest going lower than 100, but I do like to encourage reducing them, either the portion or cutting them out from one meal. And it can improve your metabolic flexibility. So your body's ability to use fats or carbs as a fuel source. So I do like cutting them down but you mustn't demonise anything. Just like a, I don't know, a, a chicken select or a bit of ice cream or a little slice of pizza will not stop you. It's consistency. So you are a result of what you do most often. So when you do slip up, move on. Uh, getting into number three then, glorifying high intensity. Now, I like to think most of this list isn't that shocking on you to experience people. But I think the third one, I know some people who listen to this, we're not necessarily clients of mine on a one-to-one basis, but the boot campers. And I feel like a lot of them have been guilty of this, and, and so have I, to be honest, uh, when I was in the forces, definitely. 
uh, glorify in high intensity. Honestly, I don't really care how hard someone trains. I care about what they do most often, as I said earlier. And often people are skipping steps, so they don't do enough base building, so cardiac output, building your aerobic base, like setting the foundation, basically. People don't do enough low to moderate intensity stuff, and everything they do is hit high intensity. And often high intensity comes with more impact, like jumping around your living room and stuff like that. So there's more impact on the joints, and often it's not even true high intensity because people can't get the heart rate high enough. And sometimes I believe that's the exact reason people struggle with a diet is because they're seeking too much high intensity. So they're doing too many burpees, too much sprinting, too many circuits, and they wonder why they're craving chocolate cakes, biscuits, and convenient foods. And it's because they're so exhausted, they just want that quick win. It's pleasure-seeking behavior. So they want the, the quick fixes as opposed to craving a salad after a tough workout. So sometimes I, f- I think it's better having a pro and an approach that's based around low to moderate intensity. It's based on resistance training with structure. It's based on walking, restricting your diet. And then a little sprinkle, a little icing or cherry on the cake, if you like, is your high intensity. It is important. Uh, when we do the powerhouse sessions, we like to do what we call a finisher. So it's the tough part of the workout at the end. It's probably the least fun, unless you're a psychopath. And it's the burpees, it's the drop squats, it's the high knees, it's the mountain climbers. It's tough and it gets your heart rate up. And you get that endorphin rush that you might not get from a walk or, or lifting weights you know, casually, if you like. But it's not the be all and end all. And fatigue has to be managed carefully and so does impact. So it is cool that you do hit. It's cool that you... You know that you like intensity but sometimes you're missing the point and i'm going to do another podcast on this very soon about running like my running is completely different to what it was years ago as in how i train when i train how i program workouts the pace at which i'm running at my pbs and i used to run more often and i used to run harder when i was in the forces i used to run four or five times a week train twice a day every run was a pb so i won't get too into it but now you know, yes, I go for some PBs. A lot of my runs are actually low to moderate intensity. And it's not that sexy, but it works. And I'm earning the right to access those higher intensities. And I'm keeping the recovery demands down rather than going, you know, red zone for the whole run. So it's really important. I think people miss that step. And it's a game of intensity. And they just glorify it. So I don't want to put anyone off training hard. But, you know, sometimes it's worth going a bit slower. And when you go a bit slow, you can do it for longer as well. So 20 minutes hit, or you might do 40 minutes cardio, or 60 minutes. Uh, and, and this kind of ties into the same point. Training seven days a week, don't do it. Most people can't program effectively. Uh, for me personally, not being arrogant, it's not that I'm like superhuman. It's that I would program in a way that two of the sessions were very fluffy. Almost kind of yoga, pilates, light bit of cardio. Uh, some tempo intervals and stuff like that clients will know so most people can't handle the volume of seven days a week and even those who think they can they would get better results with a couple of rest days or at least one personally i'm a fan of one rest day and one fluffy day which is like a recovery day basically but it's not a game of who can train the most it's not a game of who can train the hardest it's about who can piece it all together diet training rest recovery all the adaptations you're seeking occur 
when you're rested, when your heart rate's low, when you're sleeping, when you're hydrated, when you're eating the right foods, protein, carbs, whatever. It doesn't occur in the gym or at the boot camp or during the session on Zoom. When you finish that session, you finish tired and you finish weak. So you feel you've achieved a lot, but you're actually tired and weak. It's only when you sleep, recover and rest and program effectively that you adapt and get stronger. And I think a lot of people are trapped in the, in the stimulate, in the stress cycle. So you have to have stress in order to adapt. But if you don't allow yourself time to adapt, you're just trapped in the stress cycle. So yes, you're spinning your wheels. Yes, you're getting out of bed. Yes, you're training. But are you actually getting better? And I see a lot of people not getting better, whether it's the physique or the running or the fitness. And it's because they're perpetually training. So don't be shy to rest. It's something that I've, I've massively changed my opinion on as I've got more qualified and experienced compared to my days in the forces when I thought it was a game of who can train the most twice a day, six days a week, pretty much. Uh, that, that was a good one, I think. Uh, next one, if I can blow me on trumpet. Next one is my opinion on fads. So to me, this is a big alarm bell ringing. When someone reached out and asked me my opinion on keto, on low carb, on paleo, you know, on, on low fat, Cambridge diet, juice plus, whatever they are, nine times out of 10, I don't think it's curiosity or, you know, wanting to know more or being, I think it's just, they're looking for an easy way out. If I've struggled in the past and my friend's done well on keto, I think I need to do keto. If I've tried everything, as people like to suggest, then I often look for a quick fix. If I've struggled, I'm gonna be open to, to fads. And, you know, the way keto works, the way Cambridge diet works, the way cutting out junk works, the way dry January might work, is because you're restricting your calorie intake. It's not magic. Just like if your friend does Juice Plus or, or the Shake Diet or whatever, they've replaced a meal, which is normally calorie dense, with a shake, which is normally low in calories. Therefore, even if they don't count calories, they'll lose weight. They'll attach that success down to that product or, or that coach or that way of living or that diet and they'll then sell you on the benefits when the reality is the mechanism of fat loss is a calorie deficit. So some people do it by cutting out takeaways, some do it by cutting out booze, some do it by counting calories, some reduce the carbs, but generally the more extreme it is, the less sustainable it is and the less of a good idea it is. Uh, there's a small minority of people that benefit on keto and also, if you want more information, I can recommend podcasts where nutritionists and dietitians talk about keto and the benefits and disadvantages. But generally, I feel like most people don't need it. But I won't talk above my station because I'm not a nutritionist. Uh, running through pain is number five. And we could talk about training through pain, to be honest. But I feel like with gyms closed right now, a lot of people are running through pain and niggles. And pain is always a clue. It's a sign that you're doing too much volume too soon. So if you haven't run for months and now you're running every day in January, like a lot of people are, it's pain is your body saying, we can't handle this. We're not ready. We need time to adapt. So you need more rest days. Sometimes it's an imbalance. Again, I won't, I won't talk above my station. I'm not a physio, I'm not a rehab professional, but sometimes issues at the foot work their way up the chain to the knee and to the hip. Sometimes our feet, ankles and joints and prepared for the impact of running. So running's very high impact. I've done podcasts on running. I actually really enjoy running myself, but I don't expect clients to love it or necessarily to do it. 
I've had to insert a bit more running than I usually would. Now the gyms are closed. But generally, there's a, there's a quote by someone called Diane Lee, uh, and it's, you, you shouldn't run to get in shape. You should get in shape to run. So a lot of people will miss that in January. They think they'll run because they have to do that to lose weight. When the reality is that extra weight equals extra impact on your joints, and it may make it less suitable as an option. Having said that, if gyms are closed and you haven't got a bike, it's probably going to be something we're going to have to sneak in. But we sneak it in at like low to moderate volumes, low to moderate intensities, and we don't do it every bloody day. Because you're not going to get better running every day, in my opinion. Maybe as a beginner, because it's so novel, you might. But I think it's such a, a poor strategy. But people do love a challenge. Uh, the last one then, it's quite a key one. And I feel like I say this a lot and I feel like it's obvious because I'm in the industry, but people still fall for this. So they put all the self-worth in the scales. Even clients I work with sometimes, they get a bit attached to whether they lost a pound or gained a pound or stayed the same. And I encourage them to focus on performance in the gym or during a session or if it's on Zoom or whatever, doing extra reps, extra load, you know, running faster, whatever it is, uh, more steps. I encourage them to take progress pictures and look at uh, physical changes in dress sizes or jeans or whatever. But scale weight will let you down. It is a very, very crude tool. If I drink some water, I've added weight, but I haven't added fat. But that extra weight may affect my confidence in the process. It may affect my self-worth, if that's not too extreme. So the scales do not define you. You're not walking around with a number above your head that says, I weigh 70K or my body fat is X or I weigh 100k. So if you go off your visuals, how, how you look each week, you can't really hide from the picture. And if you go off how you feel and whether you've been sticking to the process, I think that's a much smarter approach than jumping on the scales. Uh, you know, so, some of my clients do wear themselves, but it's not actually something that I'm really pushing them to do every week, especially not female clients. Uh, you know, I think females generally, at least historically, have been more focused on weight than men. I think it's something that's changing. And even me as, as a bloke through boxing, I've become very obsessed about how much I weigh at certain points. And uh, I've like weighed myself after bowel movements and trips to the toilet and waking up in the morning because I had to make weight. But for most people, you don't have to make weight. And a lot of the reason why you want to lose weight is because of your perceptions of what the weight means. Whereas I could show you pictures of someone at 60K, then weighing 65, but having less body fat, more muscle. Muscle isn't masculine, it could be your glutes, it could be your hamstrings, it could be your triceps. You know, it's just shape. So some people say shape instead of muscle, it's the same thing. Or it can be the same thing. So yeah, don't put all your hopes in scales. Track your sets, track your reps, track your calories burned, track your pace, track your distance, how many rounds you do in circuits, track your dress sizes, jean sizes. And then if you've done all that, Track your weight, you know, for some people it's okay, but I think for a lot you get very obsessed. And if the scales haven't changed, it can affect the mood. Some of the online clients I'm working with, they'll tell me they've lost a pound, or they'll say I've only lost a pound, or they'll react to not losing weight. And I always say, just send me the picture and wait for my response as a coach, as opposed to reacting. Because I think people don't often see change in themselves. It's like human psychology, we tend to be able to spot you know, our friends and family and partners losing weight or improving, but we find it hard to see ourselves. And it's because we see ourselves every day, or maybe we're just blind to it. It's quite an interesting point, but 
don't rely on the scales, you know, track many things and you'll get there. So that's my little list. So I hope that was useful. The goal of this is to stop you falling into the usual kind of amateur mistakes, if you like. So calories burned are not the only thing you should be thinking about. I like to say to clients, you should be thinking about the other side of fat loss. Like what will your physique look like? How will you perform? How strong will you be? How confident will you be? As opposed to shrinking, shrinking, shrinking. Burn more calories, eat less, get there faster. Number two, demonizing fats. So fats don't make you fat. You know, carbs are not the enemy, but you do have to restrict calorie intake at some point if you want to lose fat, which is not everyone, I get it. Uh, three, glorifying high intensity then, or train seven days a week, isn't necessarily big, hard or clever. Uh, you know, you do need high intensity, don't get me wrong, but not every bloody day. Number four, don't ask a coach's opinion on fad diets when you haven't even established like your intake, you haven't got a good routine around protein, you're not getting your vegetables in, you know, you're not drinking water, like fish oils, multivitamins, all these basic things, but you're looking for the secret hack that that gets your results without the hard work or without counting calories or without, you know, planning your meals in advance or whatever it is. Uh, five, running through pain and niggles, you know, listen to your body, there's a clue there. I don't want people running five days a week with knee pain. I don't want people training, you know, with dodgy shoulders and just doing endless press-ups because it could be your form. And if you're never being coached, you'd never know. And you're doing this, these reps over and over again and you're causing yourself harm, potentially. And the last one is scale weight, which doesn't define you. So please track other variables and you'll be happier. Trust me. Uh, so that's my little list. I hope it was helpful. I feel like a lot of clients and members might not be surprised by this. So if you have family friends and partners who are a bit further behind than you and they're just starting their journeys there's a good chance they need to listen to this so don't be shy to tag them don't be shy to repost it i do appreciate when people do and i appreciate comments as well it's nice to know who's listening uh, sometimes it's surprising and it's interesting and the more i know about you and who's listening and what you like the more i can cater it to those people so it is very interesting when someone sends me a nice message aside from that i hope you smash in january I hope you're not letting the current climate bring you down or slow you down too much. It is obviously challenging, but there's never a perfect time to start. And don't forget what's important to you. Uh, I hope that was good and I'll see you next time.